how many of you in here got a box of chocolate this week? Oh, my word. Okay. I, I, I want to tell you all something. And I, I, I don't mean in a Forrest Gump way or nothing like that. Because my mama never said that I would always like a box of chocolate. But I love chocolate. And you all know that. But Caitlin shared with me some, I probably need to go, I don't even know if they have any more room on the overcoming anxiety uh, group that met Wednesday night, which I think there were about five people signed up, and by the time they had church, there were 12 people in there. Anyway, so uh, I don't know if I need to be the 13th person because I learned this week Caitlin shared with me an article that specifically, I think, in one brand of chocolate that I consume quite a bit of it, that it has red dye in it, and uh, I mean, all kind of chemicals, as my friend said, it's, it, that is bad. And then they showed you what the what what the uh, the alternative is that's healthy, and. And I, I preached a small message in the Coffee Connection, nowhere in the Bible, well, a little bit of it might be, about, and I'm going to go on and say it, the body is the temple and you've got to take care of it, but uh, I, I've got a dilemma here because, I, man, I'm all about eating natural stuff now that it's affordable and you can get it because if you watch enough documentaries of what's really going into your body, you'll realize, man, I'm killing myself, and, and I don't touch drugs or alcohol. I, I'm, I'm really letting billion-dollar corporations kill me, and I sound like I'm going down a different road. But here's my dilemma. Now that I have that information right here about how harmful this stuff is, I don't want to eat no more of it, but I still have quite a bit of it. And I'm ready to switch, but y'all, I don't believe in wasting stuff. And so, I, I, I don't know what to do about that chocolate that I got left over. Because, and I'm going to be honest, because I'm about to preach the word of God, and you don't want to be a hypocrite and dishonest with you doing that, all right? But I've already ignored what I heard was bad for me, and I've consumed some of that mess. And I can't stop it. And what does this have to do? Well, I'll tell you what it's got to do with where I'm going. I realize that we do this all the time with God's Word. There's stuff that we like to do, that we enjoy, and really, really, it's not, you know, I can say, well, it's not bad like eating like lard every day. But if the end results is the same, and as Daddy said, there'll be a lot of slow walking and sad singing. If, if you if you go wind up at the same hotel, it don't matter if you get there in a bicycle that's barely the or a Ferrari, does it? It doesn't matter. So we hear things every week from the pulpit that God tells us through a messenger or through His Word, or you hear. And we know it's right. We know it's God's word, but we still 
have a hard time. And so what we do, we say, we're going to fix it. Amen? We're going to quit it. We're going to change. I'm not going to do it anymore. But I'm going to finish this first. It's like a buddy of mine who was a preacher's son from college said, uh, well, I figured if I, and nobody adopt this way of thinking. He said, I figured if I was going to do it, I might as well get my sins worth. And so he, he would just completely enjoy whatever he was indulging in. I don't believe in getting your sins worth, but every single week I preach and I listen to what I'm saying, and I'm going to be honest with you before we do anything, I struggle because Paul said, with my mind, with my spirit, I know to do right. He says, but my flesh keeps winning over and over and over again. And this is the very reason why we have to bring our bodies into subjection. And the last part of this series is one of the things that we know to do. Now, again, I'm not preaching at you today or you online. I'm not preaching at you because you're tuned in or you're in this building. But this last installment of Love Lifted Me, it, it comes as, as an applaud and a warning at the same time because I don't think anybody in here would disagree with me. I, I know going to church is a, a thing that I, I need to do. I know, really, even though I'm not maybe like compared to other, I, being involved in my church, I, I know you should do that. But I'm going to be honest with you. I just have a hard time because the demands of this life are really tough. And do you know that all of that's orchestrated by somebody? We are, Billy Graham said this, and I repeat this so many times. He said, we have, we have more things to help us be conscious of time and get things done faster, but we're getting less done than we've ever gotten done before. And, and I, I see that, and y'all see that. So we're talking about today loving my church. And I don't mean just the building, really, but I, I mean this two ways. I mean loving the body of Christ, the church, but also loving this local fellowship right here. That's, that's what I'm talking because this is where you hang your hat. And this is where I hang my hat. And I want to tell all of you that the church, and I know, listen, let me go back to chocolate for a minute. I love chocolate. I enjoy chocolate. I don't like caramel or caramel, caramel or caramel chocolate. Caramel, see, it's like pecan, pecan. Make your mind up. I don't like the ooey gooey stuff in there. I just like, I'm a hardcore chocolate man. You can put me some almonds in there. Or pink. I'm just a chocolate man. I love chocolate. I like milk chocolate. I really love dark chocolate, but there's one thing I cannot stand. I can't stand stale and old chocolate. And I don't mean this in a condescending way. I think of stale old chocolate like I used to get government cheese in school. 
And some of you that's had that kind of cheese know what I'm talking about. It, it was bad, man. I grew up and I went to Leach Street School in uh, Rockingham. And man, you knew when they, when they served you a uh, grilled cheese sandwich with the school vegetable soup. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Everything got grilled but the cheese, amen? The bread was as grilled as you could ever want it to be, but the cheese didn't stand a chance because you would have to put that kind of cheese in a 220-volt fryer some kind of way to even get it to think about melting. And I, I just never, ever liked, well, what if that's all you had? Well, you couldn't eat it, man, because you can't digest it. You can't digest it, so it ain't all you got. You ain't got it. What good is food that you cannot digest? So what, what, what's all this about? This is about, I don't like chocolate that is stale. I like something that's good when I put it in my mouth. It's going to melt in my mouth, not my hand. Uh, I like it. And you know, sometimes in a local church, it's going to be like that cheese. Everything, everything in my life is good, but that cheese in the middle. It's just not good. It ain't going the way I want it. I don't like it like that. Right? I like it to be pleasant and all that. A long time ago, uh, we had a little book that, that we did a little series on. said, I am a church member. And I don't remember. I, I hate to say it because some of you are going to remember a lot more than I did. The only thing I remember out of that book that has changed my life and thinking about the local church is this right here. And that's this right here, that we have a country club mentality when it comes to the church. We pay our dues and membership and, and call them tithe or offering and offering. And then we have a list of expectations what the church is supposed to be like and what it's supposed to do for us. We, we think of the church like a country club and not like what the Bible says. And I'm going to tell you that the church is the only organization, it's the only unit, it's the only institution, it's the only corporation, it's the only industry that mankind has ever known that God himself put down here and put together to take care of his people. The church. And you, your mind's going to go social and it's going to go government but the church is the only group that, that God and the only unit that God put on this earth to take care of his sheep and his children. Now we do, the real church takes care of the world. We'll read a scripture about that in just a minute. But it's, it's, it's this right here. Nothing else is going to take care of you like the church will. And I'll tell you this. when And a lot of you can amen this before I tell you a story that I told you last week. Do you realize that it was when, when my mother was sick and when she was dying and when she passed away, I had a sign business for about 17 years and I gave a lot of stuff away, did a lot of stuff for people. And do you know, and I have a lot of friends that I call friends outside of the church. Well, not that many, but I got a few people that would call me maybe their friend outside of the church. But do you know the whole time my mama was sick, when she was in hospice care, when she passed, and then after that, 
Do you know who come to my side, who prayed for me, or us rather, and lifted us up, who filled that house full of food, who brought things, who checked on things, who did things, who was there to listen to me cry and preach out? It wasn't people that I gave free signs to. It wasn't former customers. It wasn't associates in the community. It was my church family, this local group right here. It was this group right here. And I know people say, well, listen, this person checked on me and all that. But listen, no, no, no. Listen to me. The church is a gift from God. And sometimes it's going to be like that piece of cheese or that old chocolate because we go into a, 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 a pleasing me melt in my mouth mentality. We, we, we confuse the role of the church with the role of our flesh. And the church is not here to please my flesh, but there's so many times during a week the church ministers to me in my flesh. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when you start thinking about the grilled cheese and the chocolate environment, then your taste buds and your Feelings about the church will always change. Even if you're visiting from another church or you're watching and you're miles away, you just put it to the test. When you get to a frame of thinking that, and a way of thinking, I should say, that this is what the church should be doing instead of what me and the rest of the church should be doing. And when we confuse those two, we turn internal instead of being a church that is external. I told you a story last week about loving other people. And I told you that I was going to tell you this story again. But it w was going to be told a little bit different. Last week, if you remember, I told you about the Good Samaritan, how there was a man that was traveling Jerusalem to Jericho, and some thieves come, and they beat him and stole from him and left him for dead. And all of a sudden, a priest came by, and he saw who he was. And he should have been the very first one, by the way, to take care of the need. And he kept walking. Then a Levite came by, praise and worship man, came on by. And then he kept going. And all of a sudden, somebody of a whole different way of living, life, culture, everything, saw him and ran, the Bible says, had compassion on him. Well, that same story plays out all the time in, in churches everywhere. And I'm going to give you an example. Say you're a man in the church or a person in the church. And maybe you don't look like everybody else. Maybe you don't measure up to everybody else. But, you, but hard times have come on you. Hard times. I heard a testimony from Pat this week how when he found out he had leukemia the first time during that is when he got a letter that his FMLA had ran out and he got a phone call and I'm messing up the details a little bit and he was terminated while he was struggling to live at that same time. And so see, as church members, church people, we run across sometimes and maybe things aren't going our way or we look different. We, we're not raised that way or we're not that way. And the way the church is supposed to be, it's supposed to be, maybe I am. 
a person that's involved in ministry. I'm part of praise and worship, and I hear about it or I see it. The moment I see it, I don't analyze who it is and if they're part of my circle at church because there's only one circle, only one family. I run to them. I drop everything about me, and I go because it's not what I do at church that has me here, but it's the people that I'm with is the reason I'm here. So it doesn't matter about the ministry I'm involved in, the dream team I'm on. What matters to me first is the church, which is the people. So I drop what I'm doing. I don't run away. And then after I do it, then other people that's maybe part of my same group or dream team or circle or whatever, they find out about And they come along and they don't play dodgeball as I call it, but they come in and they try to meet this need. They don't, again, uh, profile, you hear that a lot, profile the person and see if they meet their requirements, whether or not they're going to help them or not. They just come in. It's second nature, man. The real church jumps right in and does it. Well, after that, then the word gets out now, and now other people, maybe it's the ushers, they find out, did you hear about so-and-so? Ah, no, I don't really know him that well. And that's, that's one of the things that used to blow my mind, and this has been many years ago. Uh, and if you said this, I certainly don't remember it's you, because I don't even know if the person that said it's even here or still alive. So, but it would blow my mind. Uh, we're having a baby shower or a wedding shower for a person or something like that. And they say, well, I'm not going because I don't know them. And that's when you want to be sarcastic. Really? Really? You don't know them? How can you know them? How can you know them? Tell me. What do you do during a seven-day period? You're not going to know them. You can't know them. That's why you need to be involved so you can know the people around you that's going to need you to take care of them at some time. And there's going to come a time in your life when you're going to need them to take care of you and they're going to need you to take care of them. Because you don't have anybody else. It's not your plan. It's not your office. It's not your school. It's not even your family. Because there'll come a time when your family members will die. But the church will never go anywhere. And that's why the church has to be the church. And the church has to love the church instead of not liking the church or treating it like it's an old piece of cheese or chocolate. And then you find out when somebody that's maybe not involved in multitudes, they come along and they see, well, I've only been here a week, but I see how this church act. That man, he just lost his job. He's full of cancer. He's down on his luck. And all of a sudden, the church just realized, hey, here I go. Guess what? I, this is the way they do business at that church. I'm just going to get right in because everybody seems to be loving and helping everybody else. That's what a good Samaritan church story looks like. And playing dodgeball, that's from hell. We don't run away from that. We run too because I realize at the end of the day, this is the only group of people that the Bible says will be here through it all. I, I can go back to when my mama passed away. Before that, I can promise you everybody that walked in that house, I've done stuff to make them matter and fire. Thank you, Lord. Because I don't say nothing else but that. But I've done things that I don't even, that they disagreed with. But at the end of the day, when they showed up, when they called, when they held me and prayed, 
that was the farthest thing from their mind. And a lot of you in this room, you know I'm telling the truth. Because this is all we have. And when you show love every week for your church, you, you can't imagine. I don't care if it's just speaking to them when they come in the door. You cannot imagine what it does. The Bible says, you know, we love because he first loved. And when we love each other and when we, and it might be, I'm depressed this week. I did find out bad news. But when I come in and I just speak to people or I, I talk to people or I, I just, you know, I, I, I don't really like the anxiety group, but I go to it anyway because I realize there might come a time when it might be about me helping somebody else and not the class. And by the way, that happens more than people even realize it. Iron sharpens iron. It really does. And just like the song and the series title, how many times in this church alone has just the love from the church, not money, not things, not just loving on you, loving on me, has lifted me up? It does it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love which you have shown toward his name in that you have ministered to the saints and you do minister. You know what that means, brothers and sisters? That means that when you love your church family, you love on the saints, you love on people of like faith, you are doing that and that glorifies his name and it lifts his name up. I know you did it for him or you did it for them, but what you don't understand, though, in the heavens that we cannot see, the glory is all to God, and God is glorified, and there's 24 elders. You wonder what they're always saying? It might be when you love somebody in church just because the Bible, it might be God is hearing this, glory to God in the highest, glory to God who is worthy to receive because of something you've done. You see, when you love, it brings glory to God. The Bible also says in Colossians 6 and 10, Therefore, a lot of people miss this scripture in the Bible. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. But check this out. Especially to those who are of the household of faith. We do good in the community. We're going to do good between now and Easter. We're going to do great. But you know what? You know where your mind is to go first? Your brothers and sisters. And I take that straight back to Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4. When the Holy Ghost had fallen and people were in one mind and one accord. That's where their mind was. Who needs what? I'll sell this camel over here because you need a well done. See, and that's what we do. We help each other out. And I know you got people, wolves in sheep clothing, that come in to try to take advantage of money and people and things and resources. But God wins in the end. When we do things as unto God, God shows us what to do. He shows us where to go. And we have to do things the right way. Amen? Amen, because that's what God says to do. I better get over here. That might be somebody calling to tell me to repeat. 
that last part again. You reckon? All right. How can I love my church? I'm going to tell you this quickly, okay? Two ways I'm going to tell you. How can I love my church daily? You ready? Number one, let's go. I can pray for my church. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3, we give thanks to God. And Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying for you always. Stop right now and look at me. How many of you will honestly commit this week for the next six days? How many of you will commit to pray for this local church? Your brothers and sisters. Not the building, not that we can pay, but you'll pray for the people. God sees your hand. We give thanks. So, number one, what you can do starting today till next Sunday. I don't know them. I've never met them. I wouldn't know them if I bumped into them. But, God, I pray for every person that was at that church and online Sunday morning. We're going to do that. The next thing is, number two, after we pray, we can pursue peace. You know, pursue is something you chase. You go behind. You try to catch it. You try to get a hold of it. We'll pursue peace. And what will help people in my church. Now the Bible says in, I believe it's Colossians 6.10, if I read that right, or whatever the scripture was. Uh, did I give you that scripture already? Colossians 6.10, the one I just read, I will pursue peace because this will help. And this will Put me in a frame of mind. When I do these two things, you know, because I can always find something wrong. Mary, be honest with me. What's wrong with me? She shook her head. Yeah, nothing, Mary. Tell me what's wrong. We can always find something wrong, can't we? Can't we? My word. Barbara, you got too carried away. But she said, Yeah. Back up when I say stuff like that. But listen, it might be you praying for people, honestly, without any strings. It might liberate them and make them tolerable around you, and it might make you tolerable around them. Because, you know, well, let's, be, let's be honest. If everybody was like me, we would really have a great church, amen. I mean, that's the way people act. And what you don't know, when they leave, they say, that's a jacked up sister right there. You hear me? <laughs> Let me tell you, the truth is welcome, amen? So we all in here together, we just one big happy family. And we got to love each other because we don't have anybody else. And the Bible proves this over and over again. And you're not going to have anybody else. Because the Bible says, he told Peter, he said, Peter, listen, flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you, but my father, he said, and upon this rock, this church, this, this entity that I'm establishing, I'm going to build my church. 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So you don't have anybody else, not your people, not your money, not your stuff at home, not your ideas. You don't have anything that gives you the assurance that the local fellowship of the church does. And that's not me or any denomination. That's the word of God. Well, I got hurt by a church. I don't know of a person with a living, beating heart that hadn't got let down or hurt by a church somewhere. And I also don't know of a person that's ever went to church that hadn't let somebody down or hurt somebody. Maybe you don't know about it. But when you get your head out of the clouds or the dirt, you'll find out about it one day. Or if you develop that prayer life, you'll find out about it. Now, there's ten things in your bulletin. And I'm going to go through them quick because there's ten things you need to know about the church. And it's critical because the Lord is coming back and people are going to die and they're going to be left here. And it's, it's critical now. I'm not talking about this is a to-do list during tribulation if you happen to not make it on the first load. I'm saying it's critical right now for you to understand this. And you can feel like a clown that nobody likes. You can feel like an outcast. You can, and the devil will help you feel that way if you hang around him long enough. But you've got to understand if God brought you in to this church, if God brought you in here, there's so much he wants to do with you and for you, and believe it or not, he's going to use the people around you to help make that happen. Think about it for a minute before I even read I feel the Spirit of God. But you think about this. None of us, we don't get paid to come to church. We come off of our own free will, amen? When we leave, we're not leaving here with goodies and treats and all so we come because we, we have a desire to be here for some reason or another. So there really are no strings attached. But God knows that, folks. And God says, listen, since you do this and you want to do this, if you will just allow me to work in you and through you with the people around you that are different that don't make the same decisions you make. They don't have the same habits you have. They might have a whole different outlook on life than you have. But if you will just learn that I've got you all here together to love each other, I'll show you what I can do. I can tell you about 12 men that Jesus handpicked. All of them were crazy in different ways. One fish, one stole, one came to Jesus so he could steal. One always lived in denial. They were all jacked up. But the Lord knew that if I could get them in this church way of thinking, I could change the world. And he wants you to know this morning that if you can understand how critical this is, he can take all of us whacked up, jacked up people with different ideas and philosophy, and he can change this world around us before he comes back and calls us home. He can do it. One thing about the church you should know is the church, as we've already said, 
the real church prays for one another. And God moved. Peter was in prison, and you know how he got out? Not because he had a good bail bondsman or he knew somebody at the courthouse. He got out because his church family prayed for him. And there's people in this building this morning. They're not in four, four jail walls. They're not incarcerated downtown. But they're in a bondage that you would never imagine. They're depressed. They're lonely. They're trapped. They don't know what to do. And you can just say, Lord, I don't know who they are. But I lift them up because my church family is all I got. And I pray for them and you watch what God does. You'll get the testimony either now or in glory. But you will get the testimony. Second thing is the church is owned by God. A lot of people really miss this. And that's why we don't have to worry about things like, how's this going to happen? We don't have to worry about finances and all that. We're in good hands. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, and do not look at the flock, and to all the flock, rather, uh, over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased. Purchase is the word here. He purchased the church. He didn't join it, say, I like it, I might... Invest in it. He said, no, I, I, I'm purchasing it with blood. God owns the church, not a preacher, not a denomination, not a conglomeration, nobody. God owns the church, not the preacher, not the board, not anybody. God owns the church. That's why every Sunday you come, more than anything else, I want to know what God wants to happen during a church service and not me or anybody else. The third thing is, People who serve the church, and I mean you serve, you work with your body, with your butt, with your hands, with your feet, with your legs, your arms. You physically, you serve the church in some way. You are highly recommended. You know, I've, I've given quite a few of recommendations over the years when I could. And then there's some I have not given because I people didn't give me permission to give a good recommendation about their work ethic or consistency. And the Bible says this right here. There was a lady named Phoebe, and actually you can read it in chapter 16, verse 1 and verse 27, but it, it, it makes mention both times where she's commended uh, and she's a servant of the church, Paul said, which is at uh, Chantria. And she's known for that because he, he makes it clear two times. I recommend her. I send her. She, she's always busy serving the church. And see, when you know what somebody's about, when you know they don't mind opening the door every Sunday, when you know they don't mind singing or playing or taking up offering or welcoming people or serving on security, or just picking up trash or being a character. When, when you just know, or online or running a, a, a camera or something. By the way, we've got plenty of room in all these things and more. When you, when you know a person really is involved, and there's nothing in it for them down here, then you know what you can do? You can really recommend. Well, all, all I can tell you is every week they are like clockwork. I never have to remind them. I don't have to call them. They do it with a smile. And, and they love the people around them, or they pretend like they do anyway. And that's what you want. That's the reputation you want. That's a critical thing about the church. Number four is I should seek to become better 
This is, this is so important and critical. I should seek to become better at edifying or lifting up the church. I should, the people in the church. Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, see, we want the, the showy stuff sometimes for the wrong reasons. But you're zealous for that, Paul said. He said, but this is what you need to really zero in. You need to seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. In other words, you want to get even better than you already are, or maybe you are not at all, but you want to become a pro at lifting people up all the time because the devil is supreme professional at pushing people down all the time. Amen? Yes, he will. I don't care how much you like church today. When you leave, that joker's going to try his best to push you down as far as he can. He will. I don't care what's going on in your life because he's here to kill, steal, destroy. That's why we've got to edify and lift each other, and we've got to get better at it. Number five, the church should refuse to leave every Sunday unless we have glorified God. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages. That means it's not going to stop. World without end, amen. Every time we meet, and I'm going to do it. I told you I was. That sermon, we've got to give God the glory that is due. D-U-E, say that word with me, due. Due. Now, I'm going to tell you some personal stuff, and this may draw blood for me. This happened in the past 24 hours. I thought I had one of my bills set up on auto pay because pretty much the rest of them are. So, because I, I, I hate interest, by the way. I'll just put that out there. Not spiritual at all. I hate interest. And worse than paying interest, I hate, hate forgetting to pay a bill. So I have to depend on automatic things to just do it when I'm in my zone of forgetting. And so I called the, the person because I got a late fee. I said, listen, I, I, I'm just honest with you. I forgot. I thought this particular card was on auto pay. And I said, is there any way you can help me with the late fee? She said, let me look. Yes. I said, I'm putting it on. I'm paying it right now, but I'm putting this on auto pay because I don't want to forget that that thing's due every month. And worse than that, and the Bible says, I know everybody says, I got jacked up credit. I, man, I, my credit's at 969. Okay. Okay. Good for you. Praise God. I'm glad. Glad. My, my credit's. Minus 200, okay, whatever. Wherever you fall in there, all right. And the bad thing about it, they'll probably loan you as much as they will. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm telling you, people don't care. They're crazy. Anyway, uh, I was talking about people leaving. Anyway, um, so I paid this bill. I put it on auto draft. I'm reading this scripture about the glory that is do the Lord's name, and then I'm looking at number five up here. 
that I shouldn't leave a church service. I don't care if you're visiting because little Johnny's getting dedicated in Nebraska at a church next week. You shouldn't walk in that church. I don't care if it's, if it's the mortuary in there. And people don't even breathe. It's so quiet from the time they walk in till they leave. You should refuse after having read this scripture right here and me telling you this because there is always glory that is due to the name of God. Uh, Jesus, the Bible says that God has given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess. Give God the glory that is due his name. So what I'm inviting you to do is from this moment on, when we come in here every week, I don't care what music is playing. Put it on auto pay and let's praise God every Sunday you walk in here. Hallelujah. Every Sunday. Just praise him anyway. It's due and you don't want to forget that. It's due, praise him. Well, they're not praising him. I'm sick, I'm tired, and I'm sick and tired of being sick. Praise him, put it on all of it. Just praise him. Amen. Praise him. Just praise him. He's worthy of our praise. There's only 30 minutes of hush-hush in heaven. The rest of it, people are making known the praises of Almighty God, and they're gathered around there doing it right now. I've already told you that. you got to praise Praise is comely of the Lord, the Bible tells us. Number six, what could happen if the church felt the way God does about the church? No man's ever hated his own flesh. No, we do everything to please our flesh, but, but nourish it and cherish it. We do it, man, listen. We love our flesh. We want to do it all to make it look good. We're we, we going to do it all. Nothing wrong with exercise and looking healthy and all that. I heard Dolly Parton say one time, as long as I got money, if I can pull it, I'm going to pull it. Those were her words. And that was a pretty singing woman one time. But this last time she pulled it, a little bit too hard, Dolly. Y'all, that country girl, I can't say that. That might sound anti-Semitic, so I'm not going to say that. We do things to please our flesh all the time. Amen? We do it. Yes, we do. But this Bible verse right here says, the Lord does what is necessary for the church to nourish the church. And he cherishes the church. So the critical thing here, what if we did the same thing that the Lord, if we felt the same way about the church? I already talked about edifying, but what if, what if we did this right here? What, what if we just every week, I, I'm, I'm going to pursue peace, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to do what's going to be the healthy thing for the church. You, you, you might not think, and we had this, not a fight, but a great discussion this morning in there, and it was really a fun time, about anxiety, the ang overcoming anxiety. And I said this. I said, huh, I'm the pastor. I get the prayer requests all the time. I don't know of a person 
in this church or that's ever walked through the doors of this church that has lived their whole life and not had anxiety at some point. All you got to do, get a bad, you get a bill, they come in to hook up to your house, your child's in jail, your child's going to die, your marriage is falling apart. I can go down all that long list and people all of a sudden, they need to overcome some serious anxiety. So what if we did this right here? And I'm, I'm trying to finish this quick. What, just what if, church? What? If every week, I know I don't like that. That's not my cup of tea. But I want to do what's going to nourish the church. What's going to help the church grow? Because the church is all I have. The church is all I have. And I did that because I cherish the church. It's all that I have going for me. Really, really, really. When you look in it in the spectrum of eternity, the church is all I have. And what if I did and I felt the way God does about the church? God did whatever it took to get the church to where it is today. Number seven, not every church is a real church. And I'll go quick right here. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church, listen at this. He's talking about a whole big old region right here now. He says, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, trying to help me out, but ye only. So not everything that says, Lord, Lord's going to enter in, and not everything with a steeple and a church and a fish and a cross is a real church. You know what a real church is? A church that looks like Jesus. A church that is more external than internal. That's what a real church is. That's why a lot of people, they go all kinds of places because they're not looking for a real church. They're looking for a country club. One that does almost everything that they like. And there's not one church in existence that does everything somebody likes. Because if you hang around them long enough, and I've been in them for 53 years. If you hang around them long enough, I've been in big ones and I've been in little ones. They're going to do something at some time that you question and you don't know about. Including this one. I have talks with God all the time. Lord, what's up with that? I don't even like that. How's anybody else going to like that? Now, I'm the preacher here. But see, we go through this, but we've got to understand. We've got to understand right here. What makes us real is not the fact we come in here and we preach and sing and play and do a song and then we leave all week. What makes us a real church is when we look like Jesus Christ outside of this building and how we love and pray for each other when we're in this building. Number eight, we are to be first and foremost. And you could read the rest of these scriptures when you're at home. We're supposed to be the first one on the line because Jesus didn't think it was robbery. I told you this a week or two ago. He, he said, I'll do it. Here I am. I'll do it. This is the solution. I'll do it. We've got to be the good Samaritan. We've got to be the Jesus. We've got to be the first one to show up. We can't keep pushing everybody to all the government agencies. We are the government agencies. And it's going to cost us of our time and our talent. But that's the only reason you're still breathing, though. Number nine, God should never go lacking for public praise from the church. I am going to read this, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. All right, hey, I want you to read this last part of this. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. That's a hot tamale right there, ain't it? Especially if the quietest moment of your week is in church. 
that's a hurting scripture right there. That'll tear your heart up right there. I mean, if, you, if you're vocal and loud about everything else, man, I don't think, you know, when I'm in church, I'm supposed to be, you know, I, I found out that most people, most people, because the Bible proves that David's own wife, Michael, she had a hard time with him. You know, he danced naked in the streets. Now, I don't, I don't recommend that, by the way. Uh, but he was so in love with God. You know, he was never happy with the song they sang last Sunday. Did y'all know that? David had probably a book that big, if, if it was possible, of new songs. Because he would sing a new song unto the Lord is what the Bible says. And I have all, all ideas. Y'all know what I mean when I say all ideas. I have all ideas. He was a drummer and a guitarist. Because he banged them cymbals and he would play that hard. And he understood that there's no way, no way, no way am I going to be quiet. This is my God. This is the God that helped me throw down a nine-foot-plus giant. This is the God that anointed me to tear a bear in half, that, to kill a lion. This is a God that took care of me. He said, you think I'm going to be quiet? This is God that saved me from a car wreck, prison camp road, 1984. You think I'm going to come in here and treat this like a museum? No, sir. You better go to the church. Not, not this place. I'll do that at a ball game, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get anointed or nothing like that if I yell at a ball game. I mean, I, I, I'll do that, you know, if somebody gets a good deal in the neighborhood. But in church, no, sir. When I come, my game face is on because y'all don't even know what you've done for me. Last but not least, the church is the part of God's plan that's going to be here until the end. And you need to go read Revelation 2 and 3. I'm not going to put it on there because he specifically starts out in chapter 2 talking to the seven churches. Not the seven businesses, not the seven special groups in the community. He's talking to the seven churches. So the churches are going to be here until it's all over with because this is what's got. So this is why I love my church. It's the really only thing, it's the only thing I have is my church. And whether you like it or believe it or not, it's the only thing you have. Let's pray. Father. I love you, and I thank you, God, that you just didn't leave me as a lone ranger. But you, you put me in a group with a group of people that I can love and that loves me. I pray, Lord, that more than we've ever thought about it before, we would, starting right now, this morning, this moment, through the word of God, and we would realize, oh, Lord, that, there's people that love me that's never told me that before. There's people that prayed for me that I, I, I don't even know them. I, I might not even recognize them outside of this building. And God, I thank you. And Lord, I, I want to do whatever I can to, to be a part of my church because this is really it. Father, and I thank you, God, that, that we do have each other. Lord, with our bumps and our bruises, Lord, and our... Trials and tribulations, we're still here together. 
And we can't say that for plants that close down. We can't say that for even families that used to be part of family. We, we can't say that for neighborhoods or businesses or schools. or We can say that about the church, Lord. You said the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So, God, I rest in that, and I want to do my part, Lord, and enjoy it. And everything that you do, God, I'm going to give you praise in Jesus' name.